Good morning. Today is Friday, January 14th, 2022. A few years ago, Jonathan Safran Dewar wrote an important essay. He wrote, most of our communication technologies began as diminished substitutes for an impossible activity. We couldn't see one another face to face, so the telephone made it possible to keep in touch at a distance. We're not always at home, so the answering machine makes it possible for someone to leave a message even if I'm not near my phone. Online communication originated as a substitute for telephone calls, which were for whatever reason, burdensome or inconvenient, and then texting, which made even faster and more mobile messaging. Now, these inventions were not created to be improvements on face-to-face communication, but rather a declension, a lowering of the, of the quality of face-to-face conversations, diminished substitutes for it. But a funny thing happened. We began to prefer the diminished substitutes. It's easier to make a phone call than to schlep out to see somebody, even if it's not COVID. Leaving a message is easier than talking to someone on the phone. It's easier to leave bad news. You don't have to listen for a response. You just say what you want to say and you leave the message. Now, an email is even easier because I don't even have to worry about what my voice sounds like or my tone sounds like. And texting is even easier because people don't even expect I should use punctuation. Each step forward has made it easier to avoid the emotional work of being present easier to convey information rather than humanity. Simone Weil wrote, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. By this definition, our relationships to the world and to one another are becoming increasingly miserly. The problem with accepting, with preferring diminished substitutes is that over time we too become diminished substitutes. People who become used to saying little become used to feeling little. And he concludes, I worry that the closer the world gets to our fingertips, the further it gets from our hearts. In our parsha, B'Shalach, in chapter 16, we meet Shabbos for the first time. Hashem commands the mitzvah of Shabbat, observing Shabbos. One of the most foundational elements of Judaism, one of our most profound contributions to the world, and the mitzvah occurs within the context of man, the manna by which the God fed the Jewish people through their 40 years in the desert. So the Torah says 
that God arranges for the Jewish people to be fed, traveling through the desert from Egypt to Israel, by man. This manna, this miraculous food that God provided each day. But God commands that on Friday, the Jewish people are to pick up a double portion for Friday and Saturday, because on Saturday, Shabbos, no man will be provided. You won't find any on Shabbos. This, by the way, is one of the sources of the Jewish custom that on Shabbos we begin our meals with a bracha over two loaves of bread, two chalas, to remind us of the double portion we collected on Friday for Friday night and for Shabbos. That's the first introduction to the mitzvah of Shabbos. Now, later in the Torah, next week's parsha, the parsha of Yisro, in the Aseras Adibros, the Ten Commandments, that's chapter 20, we're introduced to the restrictions on activity during Shabbos. We're commanded to do no work, no malacha, because the Torah tells us in next week's parsha, God worked for six days to create heaven and earth and rested on the seventh day, and we are therefore commanded to imitate God, to work for six days and to rest on Shabbos. But that layer of Shabbos, of not doing certain kinds of work as a way of imitating God, that's the second layer. That's in chapter 20, next week. In the first passage, chapter 16 in our Parsha, we have not yet been introduced to this layer of imitating God by desisting from work. Clearly, there is a different layer of understanding and appreciating Shabbos that is being introduced here first. And Rabbi Gordon Tucker suggests that this first layer in our Parsha has an even more fundamental purpose than what we will learn about in next week's Parsha. He starts by asking the following question. Why could not the man be gathered on Shabbos morning? It's food. We're allowed to eat the food. It seems that there would be no impediment to handling and then consuming the food on Shabbos itself. The answer is based on a lesson from our sages who say, Shvus, the way you should rest on Shabbos is asuya, as if all your work is finished. As if when Friday afternoon comes, you feel as if everything is complete. There are no pa papers on your desk. There is no list of outstanding items that has to be done. Everything is finished. Now, if the goal of Shabbos is to experience an already completed world, then we cannot have a system where one's key substance will only materialize halfway through the day, right? If everything has got to be ready before Shabbos starts, it can't be that on Shabbos morning I go out and collect my food for that day. Therefore, Moshe emphasizes God's command 
that all baking, all cooking, all preparation for the man on Shabbos had to be done on Friday. But there has been at this point no articulation of a ban on work at this point in the Torah. Instead, this layer of Shabbos seems focused on having everything ready in advance. That in itself is what Shabbos is about. That is the first layer of Shabbos that we encounter. It is this state of being more than a set of behaviors which will establish Shabbos as truly holy. The sense that as the day enters, I have everything I need, just exactly as I need it. In other words, the first layer of Shabbos that comes from our Parsha teaches us that on Shabbos we are to make room not just to desist from work, but to do something positive. For the day must be cleared before it begins. And in fact, this layer of Shabbos is based on an earlier verse, a complex Pasuk at the very beginning of the Torah, where the Torah says, God completed all of the work on the seventh day. So, our rabbis asked in the Talmud, what do you mean God created everything, finished creating everything on the seventh day? The verse we quoted is that God finished creating on the sixth day and then rested on the seventh day. But the message is that Shabbos is not just a day to desist from work. That is its secondary layer. The layer at which we imitate God's behavior in chapter 20. But the first layer, chapter 16 in our Parsha, is that Shabbos is primarily a day of creation. Creation of completion. Creation of presence. Creation of harmony that comes from contemplation. The deepest form of rest. The layer at which we imitate not only God's behavior, but God's state of being. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs distinguishes between matters that are important and matters that are merely urgent. Under pressure, the things that are important but not urgent tend to get crowded out. But often, those important things are what matter most to our happiness and sense of life well-lived. Shabbos is time dedicated to the things that are important but not urgent. Of course, unless it's an emergency. But the things that are important, that often get crowded out during the week. Family. Friends. Community. A sense of sanctity. Prayer in which we thank God for the good things in our life. Torah study in which we retell the long, dramatic story of our people and our journey. Shabbos is when we celebrate Shalom Bayis, the peace that comes from love and lives in the home blessed 
by the Shrina, by God's presence. Gershon Gorenberg makes this very practical observation of what Shabbos observance is supposed to do for us. During those 25 hours of the week, every person who speaks to me or to whom I speak is present, right there with me. He or she has a voice and a face. It struck me that when I'd read Immanuel Levinas, famous philosopher, who says that the most important thing in life is seeing the face of another person and responding to it, who, sees, who says that another's face is the beginning of ethics, philosophy, and faith, when I read Levinas, I hadn't noticed how important it is to have a day in the week when everyone has a face. That's what Shabbos is. And that's what Shabbos can be for all of us. And as our communication technology advances and communication becomes more information and less humanity, this layer of Shabbos becomes more and more necessary. The first lesson we learn about Shabbos in our Parsha is that it is a day to get everything extraneous out of the way beforehand so that everyone we encounter on Shabbos has a face so that we can convey humanity, not just information, so that we can be present to see each other and ourselves in a way that is increasingly impossible during the week. It may seem strange to consider our practice of Jewish law that limits emails and texts and Facebook on Shabbos because we consider it work. What kind of work is that? But that's only the second layer of Shabbos. The first layer, our Parsha, teaches us that Shabbos is about being present, to have a face to finish everything before Shabbos starts to make room for just being present. Limiting the use of these technologies is even more important today than ever before. And that is what we should look for and expect to find when we keep Shabbos. My friends, I want to wish you a wonderful day and a great Shabbos. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.